We do serve a, a great God, a God who we can worship and adore, a God who deserves, the Bible says he inhabits, he collects <laughs> the praises of his people, amen? And what a mighty God we serve who deserves to be praised. Uh, Father, you are good and merciful and kind and loving and just. You make no mistakes. You are sovereign. And Lord, you use everything and you allow it to work together for our good, for those who love you. So even as we sit under your word today with cares and some even with worries and anxieties, Lord, I pray that you would speak peace into your children's heart, that you would remind them of who you are, Father God, and remind them that nothing is outside of your control, that if we would just look to you, if we would just look to your provision and what you've done for us already through Jesus on the cross, Father God, that we can sit here in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on you. I pray, Father God, for your word as it goes forth. I pray, Father God, that your word will minister to us in a very specific and real way. I pray that you would not allow me to come just with a demonstration of word, but with power. Allow your anointing to do more uh, with this sermon, Lord, than, than I could ever do. Allow your Holy Spirit, Father God, to apply it to all of our lives and allow us to leave, Father God, saying, did not our hearts burn within us? because your word was faithfully proclaimed. And I pray for the hard heart today, Lord, who's here, who would close their heart to your word, who's here out of habit and out of routine because it's the right thing to do. I pray, Father God, that you would soften our hearts and make it, Father God, fertile, make it good soil. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 5, and if you could stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word, today we're going to break away from uh, our, our series on the Trinity, and we're going to have a, a standalone sermon called Death by a Loose Woman. Death by a Loose Woman. And before we go to this passage and and uh, see what the Lord is saying to us today, I, I want us to understand that this, this author, Solomon, uses very gender-specific uh, terms. And, and the principles that he used, however, it doesn't uh, just, just go to a specific gender. Um, as he's dealing with sexual immorality and, and marital infidelity, he's teaching us that that leads to disaster and that we should avoid it, both men and women. So the application for this sermon, even though I'm going to be specifically using gender-specific terms, such as a, a man and, and, a, and, and woman, uh, this can apply in, in a very broad sense. This can apply to pornography. This can apply to a young man who is unmarried, tempting a young woman who is unmarried. Uh, this can apply to a person who is uh, struggling with homosexuality. Uh, this, this has a very broad application. So I pray today that we would listen with wisdom and apply it to every single part uh, that, as the Spirit leads. Amen? Amen. Proverbs chapter 5, uh, looking at verse 1. And the precious, authentic, sufficient, inerrant, 
healing, reviving word of God reads, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Shoel. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. And now, O son, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teacher or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own system, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad? Should streams of water in the streets Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for the lack of discipline, and because of this great folly, he is led astray. You may be seated. And we uh, do want to welcome all of our guests and all of our visitors and, and everyone who's uh, come today who got out of the bed, Amen. And uh, fought off that, that spirit that was telling them, oh, you lost an hour, you can sleep in today, amen? You know, uh, growing up, my, my grandmother and, and my aunts had a, a term that I was very familiar with. It was the term, a fast woman. I don't know if y'all know anything about that today, Amen. All while I was growing up, my grandmother will always warn me, Jamal, stay away from them fast-tailed little girls. <laughs> right? And uh, most of you guys know what, 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 what they meant when they said fast tail, right? Sometimes I'll be listening to my grandmother talk to my aunts, and they'll say, oh, she's so fast. Ooh. And what were they saying? They were saying a, a loose woman, a woman who did not have discretion. A woman who dressed in provocative ways. A woman who was easy and who was searching for something and who would would sleep with men trying to fill that void. Fast. A woman who could not be captured by wisdom. Today's text, we see Solomon crying out, calling out to his sons. And he's telling them to beware of the fast woman. Beware of the loose woman. 
Now, throughout the book of Proverbs, we have a major theme, and the theme is this. Solomon is, is constantly calling his, his readers and the writers of the Proverbs, of the other Proverbs in which Solomon didn't write there, they're calling their readers to embrace lady wisdom. And they're saying, embrace lady wisdom over lady folly. They're saying that there's two ways to live. There's a, a wise way to live, which is lived by those who fear the Lord. And there is a, a foolish way to live, which is, which is a way that is lived by those who do not fear the Lord. So throughout the Proverbs, we see the writer constantly calling his children to, to pay attention to wisdom. Wisdom, the ability to make the right decision at the right time for the right reason. Listen to wisdom. Listen to the right way. Obey it at the right time. And do it for the right reason. We see in verse number one that Solomon begs his son. He says, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear. Lean your ear in to my understanding. That you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. You know, Solomon is doing something that is very noble here. Something that I think all parents should take note of. Solomon is, 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 is doing exactly what Deuteronomy chapter 6 calls parents to do. And that is to teach your children the ways of the word and the ways of life. But a lot of times in the church and even outside of the church, we, we don't teach our children about sexuality. We don't train our children up to know what God says about sex, what God says about our sexual identity, and we leave that to the media, we leave that to the world, we leave that to the school, and we leave that to our kids' peers. And what's happened in American culture and, and even with inside the church is, is that there's not a, a very big difference between the way that our children view sexuality and the way that their peers who, who don't go to church and who don't know Jesus view sexuality. Peter calls us to be a holy nation. He says we are a peculiar people, but when it comes to sex, when it comes to sexuality, there's not a big difference between God's people and the world's people. Statistics show, for those uh, uh, who, who view pornography, that there's not a great big difference between churchgoers who view pornography and non-churchgoers who view pornography. And yet pornography is sweeping through the land and is, is the number one moral crisis in the world. But the church, we, we've said little about it, little about sexuality. Well, Solomon is, is, is warning his kids. He's, he's saying, please pay attention to my wisdom. Please listen to my understanding. Why? So that you may have discretion. So that you may live your life in a way that's honoring to God in a way that's noble, so that you may guard knowledge, so that you may be a fighter for truth, a, a warrior for truth. And, and today we need men and women who are warriors for truth, who, who guard truth. In fact, Paul said to Timothy that the church is the buttress of truth. 
We've got to guard truth. So today we're going to look at this woman, this seductress woman, this, this loose woman, and we're going to, to learn and, and, and see her and see how she captures men. The first thing we want to see is we want to see the pleasure that she promises. The pleasure that she promises. We want to see the, the pleasures that she promises. Look at verse number three. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. For the lips of a woman, the lips of a woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. This, this woman promises pleasure. This, this woman has a, a way with words. She is a, a person who speaks flattery and who is constant sending compliments to her lover or the man she's going to try to trap. I love how it says her, her lips drip honey. Honey was the sweetest of all foods in Israel. And then he goes on and he says not only that, she's smoother than oil, the, the smoothest substance in, in Israel. He is trying to paint a picture, a, a visual aid to his sons. He's saying, listen, she is slick. She knows what to say and how to say it. And isn't it amazing that in today's culture, in American culture, that, that this, this, seduct, this seductress woman, these, these loose women, that, that marketers know exactly how to get men. They know exactly what to put the woman in. They're constantly trying to take our mind away and take our eyes away from how God ordained sexuality. They're trying to draw us in and bait us in like a fish and then to destroy us. She, she is a slick talker. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 15 through 21, the writer of this proverb, he expands a little more about her, her the pleasure she promises. In verse 15 it says, this is the, speaking of the, the, the loose woman who is, is trying to get the attention of a man. Listen to what it says. She says she seizes him and kisses him, and, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love to morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. Verse 21, with much seductive speech, she persuades him. In her smooth talk, she compels him. She's a seductive woman. You know, today it may not sound like I have prepared my bed with cinnamon. But this message is being proclaimed. Proclaimed visually as well as, as with literal words. And we've got to teach our children. We've got to teach our sons from a young age to be aware of this loose woman and her words. Got one uh, gentleman that I, I know, he... And his son, whenever he goes to the grocery store, he, he plays a game with his son. As they are, are standing in the checkout line, he 
forces his son to, to look ahead. And they say, who, let's see who can stare straight ahead the longest. Because on the covers is, is naked women, women in bikinis, women with hardly anything on. And those magazines are, they're, they're seducing us with, with their speech, saying, come and look at me. Come and learn about how to have your best sex life. Come and learn about all these wonderful positions that you're missing out on. She's seducing us with her speech. I know uh, another couple who has begun to teach their children at a, a, a very young age to beware of this loose woman's flattery, to beware of this loose woman's message. And what they do is they've coined a phrase in their house which, means, which says, modesty is the hottest. From the age of three, they taught their daughter to, to be able to, to know what is modest and what is not. And when they see a girl who is on a magazine or who's on television with her belly button showing her, their daughter yells out, modesty is the hottest. That's not hot. We've got to teach our children that the world is promising pleasures through false sexuality and evil sexuality, but God is not pleased with it. And we've got to reclaim and, and redeem what true sexuality is. The pleasure she promises. Some men in here are falling under the allure of a loose woman. Maybe she's at your job. Maybe it's someone that you see when you're at a coffee shop. Maybe it's a teller at a, at a Kroger's restaurant, and she is, she is constantly flattering you, constantly patting you on the back, saying, ooh, if only I had a husband like you. Beware of the promise that she promises. Number two, beware of the person that she is. Beware of the person that she is. Verse number six. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O oh sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. What kind of person is she? Verse 6 says that she is a foolish person, and she is a, a lost person. She does not ponder the path of life. Her, her ways wander, and she, she does not even know it. She is lost. A woman who is constantly seducing you. A woman who is constantly flattering you and, and she knows that you are, are married. She is lost, the Bible says. And she is foolish. In fact, when we look on television and we see a, a scantily dressed woman, and we see a, a woman who is trying to be provocative, whether she's an actress or, 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 or a singer, we don't want to praise that in front of our children. We don't want to praise the, the woman that's naked and dropping it like it's hot. We don't want to praise the woman that during the Super Bowl is, is half naked and, and gyrating on stage. No, we want to train up our children and let them know that we need to pray for that woman because she is lost. And it's a good chance that if she was to die today, she would be separated from God for all eternity, that she would spend the rest of her, her life, trillions and trillions of years, suffering in hell. 
She is not living for the glory of God, but for the glory of self. And she thinks that her, her figure and her body should be on display. She is a prostitute. No, a prostitute is a person who sleeps with another person for money. No, a prostitute is a person who sells their sexuality for money. Marketers are, are, are selling sexuality, they're selling things, and they, and they put a, a scantily dressed person uh, on the upfront because they're, they're trying to get you to spend money. They are prostituting themselves. And this is so prevalent in our land. You can't get away from it. Remember back in the day, I Love Lucy? My grandmother, we, I used to watch that with my grandmother. For a while, they weren't even sleeping in the same bed, and they were married. Remember that? When they finally got in the same bed, it was like an earth-shattering thing. They were liberal. <laughs> but now, on our regular television shows, at any time, you can find a, a mostly nude person. Our, our television shows, the ones that are some of our favorites, The Bachelor, the Bachelorette, whatever it's called. One person dating 20 different people to see who deserves their love. This world has fallen. We are sick. We are Sodom. We are Gomire. We are far from God. I know that some of you in here are, are sitting under this weight even as I even as I teach, because pornography is such a, a huge industry, $57 billion a year. The United States make up 20% of that $12 billion a year spent by the United States alone on, on pornography and adult entertainment. And with the numbers in this room, statistics will show anywhere from 50 to 60% of the men in this room view pornography within the last week. Beware of the pleasure she promised. Beware of the person she is. She is lost. When you see that woman, and when we reduce her to be nothing but, but images and, and body parts, we, we, we take her, we look at her in a way that God never intended for us to, to, to look at her. God created her in his image and for his purpose. And we need to start praying for these women. And we need to beware. Is there someone who has your attention other than your spouse? Is there someone who, in your mind, you think that, that to be with them would be pleasure? Do you have a constant growing awareness of a particular person whom God has not given you as your spouse? Do you spend time thinking about that person's attractiveness? Are you constantly comparing that person to your mate? Are you constantly comparing how you feel about that person to your mate? Are you constantly comparing how that person treats you to that mate? Are you constantly looking for ways to meet or to sneak a conversation in with a particular person whom God has not given you in marriage? Be careful for the trickery because the pleasure she promises and the person she or he is will not satisfy you. Third, the price you pay. The pleasure she promises, 
the person she is. And the psalm, the, the proverb here, he, he uses, he spends a lot of time right here. He says, the, the price that you will pay for listening to her and for following her. Starting at verse number four. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Shoel. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, he's begging again, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. He's saying, please, stay away from her. Don't even enter her door. The loose woman has a way of seducing, has a way of drawing you in. And there's a certain point that if you, if you cross that boundary, you will pay. Price you pay, number one, the loss of your reputation. The loss of your reputation. Least you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. The loss of your reputation. And this is so prevalent in our culture. How many times have we seen husbands or, or even wives on, on the news, celebrity figures, for being caught in adultery? Not too long ago, we saw a general who was decorated and who was held as a man of integrity fall to a woman who was married and who had two children. Their reputation was ruined just that quick. And we can go from that general to, to Tiger Woods. This week, uh, a long-lasting uh, uh, hero of mine, Michael Jordan, a, a suit came out against him for having an extramarital affair. A reputation is, is tarnished. And unfortunately, that's not always just in, in a secular world. We see the same thing happening in, in the church at times. The price you pay is the loss of your reputation. And what's scary about American culture now is, is that that's become normal. An adultery and an affair is, is normal. There's websites right now where you can go and go on anonymously, just like you would Facebook or MySpace or anything else, set up an account, and the whole point of the website is to help you to have an affair. The loss of your reputation, the loss of your wealth. Verse number 10, these strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Loss of wealth, he says. He says, you'll lose your reputation, you'll lose your honor, and you'll lose your wealth. You'll end up paying monies uh, out, out to, to the person in order to keep quiet. read an article recently about a former NBA player who paid hundreds and thousands of dollars to keep an affair secret once the affair ended and his woman just kept blackballing to the point where he couldn't afford it anymore, and he pressed charges against him. Alimony, child support. Third, the loss of your health. Number 11, son, he's saying the loss of your health. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. The loose woman, when she is seducing us and when she is flattering us, 
When a, when a young man is, is seducing you and flattering you, he, he, is, he, he is, is trying to, to, to convince you to, to go with him or to lie with him. You want to see that there are consequences to sin, that there are consequences to our, our actions. And one of those consequences is the loss of health. Now, this verse can be talking about a venereal disease or what we call an STD. And how a person at the end of their lives can be groaning because they have extracted some disease. But it also could be talking about the effects of sin. And how sin does not allow us to rest. And it does not allow us to to go with a clear conscience, especially if we have been awakened or, or heard the truth of some sort. Psalm 32. We read this last week. As a congregation, verse number three, this is David speaking of his sin when he tried to keep his sin silent. Listen to what he said. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. He said, I tried to keep silent and my bones felt like they were wasting away. I felt like I was sick. Something was wrong with me and I couldn't understand why. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David said, before I confessed my sin, it felt like I was just wasting away. And that's the danger of a loose woman. That's the danger of pornography. It, it seems to satisfy us and gratify us for a time, but, but after we have engaged in, in sin, after we have engaged in that, uh, that forbidden fruit, all of a sudden guilt and condemnation weighs upon us. The hand of the Lord seems as if he is crushing us. Why? Because he desires to bring us back to repentance. And his heavy hand is a sign of grace. That that guilt-ridden conscience when you are living a sin is God's grace saying, I care too much about you to allow you to have peace with this loose woman. Loss of your health, loss of self-respect. Verse number 12. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline... I'm sorry, verse 12... And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teacher or incline my ear to my instructors. How I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. He's, he's talking to himself. And what is he saying? He's saying, I can't, I can't respect myself because the way I've lived. Because the, the double-mindedness and the double life that I have. You lose self-respect. The loss of genuine worship, verse 15, 14. The loss of genuine worship. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembly of the congregation. Saying, here I am, assembled with the congregation. And rather than having joy, and rather than being able to lift my hands in in truth and worship, I feel as if I am in ruin. The loose woman. Promises pleasure, but the person she is, who she is, she can't deliver true pleasure. And you end up paying a price. And no doubt there's a 
with a crowd like this, there's a, a man or a woman in here who today is entangled in the cords of adultery, today who is flirting with someone that the Lord has not given as a husband and as a wife. Today, you, you are in here sitting with everyone and you heard the song singing and you did your best to put up in the front. But today you can respond just like Solomon and say, in the midst of the congregation, you are in utter ruin. The loss of your own soul, the price you pay, the loss of your own soul. It's number four and five. But at the end she is bitter as wormwood, which was a poison, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her paths follow the path to show well. Look at that. She is headed to death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Life apart from God under his kingdom and under his care is death. Being captivated by the loose woman is death. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 25. Three straight chapters, the, the writer is trying to get at his son's mind. He's saying, son, wake up. Don't fall into this trap. In fact, we'll go to verse number 23. For the commandment, for the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching of light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman. Why does he need preserving? Because the evil woman is seeking to take his life. From the smooth tongue of the adulteress, do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. Don't let her capture you with, 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 with Maybelline and Revlon. Don't let her capture you. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread. He's saying, do you really see her value? She's not worth much. But a married woman hunts down a precious life. Hunts down a precious life. Can a, Mary, a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. None who touches her will go unpunished. Chapter 5. Verse 22 through 23, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of her sin. He dies for the lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Death awaits all who believe the pleasures of a loose woman, all who do not ponder the person she is, all do not ponder the price that we, that you and that I will pay. So what is the antidote? The antidote is the precious prize at home. The precious prize at home. Look at the text. The precious prize at home. Verse number 15. He points his sons away from this loose woman, this fast-tailed woman, to the wife. The wife that he has at home. Drink water from your own system. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, 
Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always with her love. The, 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 the writer Solomon uh, says here that the greatest defense against adultery, adultery is a truly devoted and passionate marriage. The greatest defense against adultery, the greatest defense against a loose woman is a devoted and passionate marriage. I love this text because this text just takes what we think and what we assume about God and his kingdom and church and life with them and it flips it upside down and it makes us uncomfortable even in reading it. You wanted to say, some of you want to say, my kids are in the room. And I'm telling you, that, that our kids need to hear how God views sexuality. And our kids need to hear about sex from God's perspective. Sex is not a bad thing. Sex is a good thing. God created sex for the, the covenant of marriage. In fact, sexual intimacy, sex should be called the marriage act. It is the act that God ordained for two people who have devoted themselves to each other for their life. And he says, I want you to be intoxicated with it. I want you to be drunk with each other's intimacy. Sadly so, many Christians, we approach sex and we think that once we become saved, uh, that that our sexuality has to be suppressed, and that a Christian marriage, when it comes to sexual intimacy, needs to be boring. And I'm telling you that God says the exact opposite. And he says the way that you protect yourself from the adulteress is making sure that you keep that passion in your marriage. As the bishops say, that you keep the honey in the moon. Listen to what he says, verse 15, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. He's speaking of his wife as a, as a cistern, as a, as a well, as something that can be, be, be entered into regularly and that refreshes. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers. So he's saying, drink from your own wife. In other words, enjoy your own wife. In verse 16 and 17, he flips it on his son. Now his wife is the whale. His wife is the cistern. Listen to what he says. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets. Speaking of his wife. In other words, he says, he says son, imagine your wife committing adultery. Should your wife be loose? Should your wife be finding delight in another man other than you? Should your wife be reading fine, uh, uh, fantasy erotic novels in order to get sexual pleasure? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a lovely deer. A graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always with her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? It says, have 
a thriving sex life. The Bible, when it talks about intoxication, uh, we, we know that we can be intoxicated with alcohol, but we also know that we can be intoxicated with the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 5, filled with the Spirit. But he's saying, be intoxicated with her breasts. Some of you didn't know that the Bible talked like that, did you? Oh, it's full of it. It's a whole book of the Bible devoted to the, the beautiful covenant of marriage and sex within that covenant called the Songs of Solomon. And, and the, the wife and the husband, they are interacting with each other. And they're saying some beautiful but weird things. Weird because I, I really don't know what half the time what they're talking about. But they are intoxicated with, with each other. And as a church, we have to redeem sexuality. We have to redeem sexual intimacy. And we have to see that God cares about it. And he says, no, enjoy each other. It's one of the, the blessings and, and, and gifts and, and grace of marriage. Are you protecting your spouse from adultery by pursuing them passionately? First Corinthians chapter seven, verse three through five. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse three through five. Again, this is God. This is God's word. I didn't write this. All right. If this wasn't in the Bible, I would have said, "Man, it would have been nice if there was a section in the Bible about this." But God was like, "Jamal, I already got you, brother." All right. All right. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourself to prayer, but then come together so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What is God saying here? God is saying, be passionate. Be intimate. So what, is, what does he teach us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 through 5? Number one, he says, he says, sexual intimacy and marriage should be regular. It should be regular. And if it's not, it's because you guys have come together in agreement. Said the husband, your wife now belongs to your, your body now belongs to your wife. And wife? Your body now belongs to your husband. The two has become one flesh. Not only is it regular, he says this will be sacrificial. Uh, there's going to be some times where, you know, one of the other doesn't really feel like it. Now, if that's, if, if the one spouse is just like all day, every day, you know, we want to remind ourselves what the Holy Spirit says, that, the whole, that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Amen? So there's, there's balance. Just like we can worship God, we can worship sex. Regular, sacrificial, but also uh, it's, it should be, we should communicate about it. Amen? We should be talking about it. We should be talking about it. We should have, find a, a happy medium. When God calls us to be Christians, he calls us to be servants. 
He calls us to be selfless. He calls us to be sacrificial because our Savior was a servant. He was sacrificial. He was other person focused. And in marriage, in order to protect our hearts from adultery, we want to make sure we value the precious prize at home and that we regularly and sacrificially commit ourselves to each other. You know, God calls our marriages to be salt and light to the world. God calls Christian marriage to be what an instrument that he draws people to himself. I know a, 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 a preacher, a friend of mine, who is a, a seasoned saint, and he uh, tells a story of how uh, he and his wife, how his wife once made a deal with him. Uh, his wife wanted her, him to go to a, a family member's house to help them move on like a Saturday. And uh, she says, well, he, she knew that he really didn't want to go. So to, in order to give an incentive, he says, listen, if you come with me while we're there, while you're working, we're going to sneak away, find a quiet place, and have a, a little moment together, right? Want to love each other, give each other a kiss. And so he's all excited, and he's like, okay, great. So they, he makes the deal. He goes, and he's working hard. And sure as you know it, his wife kept her word. And before you knew it, they were in a coat closet uh, hugging each other. And a woman opens the door and sees them. And she's related to his wife. And she's also entangled in the adult entertainment industry a non-believer, but she sees their passion for each other, wells up in tears, and gave her life to the Lord because she desired a godly marriage with such passion. Our kids need to see mommy and daddy giving love taps and kissing and grossed out from time to time. Because if they don't see it from us, they're going to see it from television, from two unwed people. Christian marriage should be salt and light. Husbands, be intoxicated with your spouse. And you say, well, I'm trying to, but my spouse just doesn't go for it. And I just want to give... A quick, some quick words of wisdom as we, as we, as we get ready to close out. My, my spouse just doesn't go for it. They're just not interested in it. And I just want to call you to, to Ephesians chapter 5 and to make sure that, that you are, are not hindering your spouse from being intoxicated with you. Ephesians chapter 5 calls husbands to a, a, a high standard, but a standard that we can reach by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit, a standard that nourishes, cherishes, and cares for our wives, a, a standard, the Bible says, that we are to wash our wives with the water of the word, engage with her emotionally as well as spiritually. And if your, your wife is, 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 is not interested, there can be a, a number of things going on, but make sure it's not because the only time you're interacting with her is when you want to be sexually intimate. Sexual intimacy does not start at 11.30 at night. It starts at 6 a.m. in the morning. 
Amen? And wives, make sure you're doing the same thing. Make sure, look at Ephesians chapter 5 and say, am I respecting my husband? Am I, am I treating him in a way that says I respect you and that I care for you? That may be hindering you. And even if you're not receiving that from your spouse, adultery is never okay. Adultery is the way of, of death. God can give you the grace to, to love your spouse, to care for your spouse without having your needs met. You have the, the living God, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, and he can give you self-control and peace and gentleness in the, in the most absurd and, and, and toughest situations. So I'm calling you husband, I'm calling you wife to spice up your marriage. I'm calling you to protect your marriage by, by, by prizing the, the precious gift that you have at home. Appeal to the five senses of your spouse. Proverbs chapter 7 has the, the, the loose woman. And I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but I want you to go home and read verses 10 through verse 25. What makes her so alluring? What makes her so captivating? She is using her sexual powers in order to get the attention of that guy, and she appeals to all five senses. She appeals to all five senses. She appeals to a sight. She appeals to a sound. She appeals to a touch. She appeals to a smell. She appeals to a taste. And if we're going to be passionate and intoxicated in love, we should appeal to those five senses with our spouse if we're going to protect them, help protect them from adultery, sight, is my daytime and nighttime wardrobe encouraging intimacy? Right? Oh, it's quiet. I like quiet. Amen. It means you're listening. Like that robe, you had it for 10 years. And there's some stains on it that maybe that's drawing him away, all right? Sometimes go to bed with, without your hair being curled. Amen. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get some emails after this one. Amen. Like, sight, brother. Same basketball shorts. Same A-Tank t-shirt. Amen. Sound. Am I using my words to build up anticipation for intimacy? Am I flirting with my spouse, encouraging my spouse constantly, building them up with my words? Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, chapter 4, amazing. They are anticipating, uniting together, coming together. Touch. Do I, I touch my spouse and caress my spouse throughout the day or only when I'm hearing Marvin Gaye in my mind? Smell. Am I go, is the house inviting intimacy? Or is the trash running over and smelling bad? Am I, am I going to bed after having showered and, and washed and, and cleansed and prepared myself? Or am I coming home from work and saying, hey, baby. Taste. I'll leave that up to your imagination. 
listen, for the person who has a rebuttal that says, I'm stuck in a marriage and it's not going to get any better, it's been the same for 30 years, I want to tell you that that is the most anti-kingdom statement that you can make. Jeremiah says, can an Ethiopian change his skin and can a leopard change his spots? Of course not. But with God, all things are possible. You give your marriage, you give your relationship to the Lord, you're fasting as you go through this Daniel fast, you begin to fast and pray, and you begin to step out on faith, and you begin to make sure that you're doing everything you can by the grace of God to appeal to your spouse. And you use your sexual power to win back their imagination from this sick and twisted world who has hijacked sexuality for the devil's purpose. Those of you who are men here and who are not married, who are single, the text says, be intoxicated with the wife of your youth. I want to encourage you to do two things. Number one, pursue God. Get close to God. Walk with God. Know God. And number two, get married. Some of you are just all over the place and struggling with pornography and fornication, which is sex outside of marriage. And you're saying, I just, it's impossible. I just can't fight this battle. But you're not pursuing anyone. You, you rather have, have time with a, a pixel on a computer screen than with a real woman. And you're sacrificing marriage and, and, and life with a, a real person for instant gratification and for images that are, are rerouting your brain and leading you down the path of death. And I encourage you to look to Jesus. Be intoxicated with Jesus. We've got some single women in this church who are looking for godly men. Be one. For our women in here, as we look at this text, be careful of how you use your body. He says, let be intoxicated with her breasts. The only person who should be intoxicated with your breasts is your husband. The only person who should have enough visual, <laughs> a visual picture strong enough to be intoxicated with your body is your husband. Be careful, lest you be that loose woman. As you get dressed, make sure that you're not getting dressed in order to, to please and impress other men. Put more time into what you wear at home in front of your husband than what you wear out. Model modesty for the sake of the kingdom and the sake of the glory of God. Are you constantly engaging a married man, complimenting, flattering, Man, are you constantly engaging a married or, or even a, a single woman, flattering her, daydreaming about what it would be like to 
to sleep with. I want to warn you to be careful because the way is death. And for those of you who, which is probably a large number of us who are, who are in some way struggling with, with sexuality or you realize today that, hey, I, I am entangled in adultery or very near it, today I just want to call you to look to Jesus, to look to his grace and to turn to him for refuge and for safety. We read in in John chapter 8 that one day Jesus was out and he was ministering and and some men, some some religious leader brought to Jesus a woman who had just been caught in adultery. And they throw this this woman, is thrown on the ground and and circled around. And they begin to condemn her. And adultery back then meant death. But Jesus does something striking. Instead of condemn her to death, he begins to write on the ground and he says, he who is without sin, let them cast the first stone. Instead of condemning the person and and sending sending the woman to death, he gave her grace and he looked at her and he said, my child, sin no more. And I come to tell the person who is entangled in adultery, who is entangled in a perverted sexuality, who is entangled in homosexuality, who is entangled in pornography, to look to the grace of Jesus and know that he and he alone can free you. That he and he alone can free you because of what he did for you on the cross. You look to his cross and you look to his power and you believe that his spirit will captivate you. He offers grace to you today. He offers life to you today. He says, my son, you're not condemned. What you did last night is last night. You cast that upon me. I died for that. My daughter, you're not condemned. Cast that on me. Look to me for salvation. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Father God, that you will help us all to be First, passionate and intoxicated with you, to love you with our whole heart, mind, and soul. And second, intoxicated with our spouse if we are married. Help us, Father God, to pour ourselves into our spouse, to redefine what's sexy by starting with our spouse and saying, that's sexy, that's beautiful. And for those who are awake to be married and who are struggling with their sexuality, Father God, I pray that they would give their sexuality over to you and know that you are able to keep them from stumbling. Thank you, Father, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.